matches off in style. A magnificent strike into the crowd. India lift the World Cup after 28 years. It's gone! It's four more! Oh, this is magnificent stuff. David Hooks, he's mastered. Five fours on the trot. And he's got... Uh... It's a wonderful innings we've just seen. Two knocks in the row. Of the highest quality, Sunny. Hello, listeners and fellow cricket freaks. Welcome to the third pod from One Bat, Two Balls, your go-to cricket hangout to listen to us speak about cricket and more cricket. I'm your host, Keeti G. So our guest today is Mr. Lalit Kalidas, a sports journalist and editor. He's just finished a stint with the iconic Sports Star magazine and is looking to continue on with this passion-driven profession of his. He's profiled on the web as someone who primarily writes on cricket. He loves watching tennis and has other interests that include playing cricket, relishing long drives and a nice affinity for photography. So I came across Lalit via the Sports Star and on Twitter. His handle has cricket updates, news, articles and other good stuff. And it's available in the pod's description. He's recently come off from covering the ODI World Cup, you know. He writes frequently and we hope to use today to speak with him about his profession on how he managed to become a sports journalist of all things, you know. Life as a reporter, advice to budding reporters, memories of working with the sports star, anecdotes or anything he feels he wants to, you know, put out there for our pod audience. So it's time to dive in, folks. Hi, Lalit. Welcome to One Bat, Two Balls. I'm Keerthi, your host. And uh, thanks for taking the time out to talk with us. Uh, I trust you're doing well. Congratulations on covering a Cricket World Cup, by the way. Uh, how are you? Oh, thank you. First of all, thank you, Kirti. Uh, it's lovely to be here. I'm good. I'm good. I'm back home uh, after a long stint in Chennai. And yeah. Nice, nice. So you're back home, meaning you're back from Chennai. Where have you? Where are you based and stuff? Yeah, so I'm from Kerala. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come from a very small village in the Malapuram district, known for its football. I've been, you know, a cricket tragic and a cricket fan that, you know, ended up in this profession. Excellent, excellent. I think uh, we are all cricket tragics, every one of us who's doing this stuff. So, welcome to being a cricket tragic with us and we wish you all the best, uh, Lalit. So, I'm just going to set context you know you're a sports journalist so we just want to talk about just generally you know people look at you guys right people look at you guys uh, uh, you know with the players and stuff but we kind of trying to understand what you guys do uh, you know what is it that makes a sports journalist because many of us in India we're into very cliched professions like engineering, medicine, etc. So it would be nice to know from a journalist, uh, you know, how, how, what his life is like and stuff. So, you know, journalism is a challenging field. and It gets tougher if you're in a niche field like sport, you know, where being at the top of one's game usually means being noticed and trusted within the fraternity. It's not one of those bankable professions. It has a lot to do with building relationships with celebrated personalities, you know, before gradually going on to opine and becoming a trusted media voice. To start off, salaries can be on the low side and low-level journalistic work work takes a lot of patience and dedication. It's often driven by an intense passion to present our sport 
and once ensconced into the system navigating a path to professional success is not easy and it depends on networking the right contacts delivering consistently on the quality of your work gaining acceptability within the community and fighting hard you know to stay relevant in the modern age so what does it take to be someone like a lalit kalidas so let's see lalit kalidas reporter and sub editor that's pretty cool you know tell us about a bit about yourself where you hail from how uh, you know where you're currently based do you go to other cities etc just tell us yeah so well uh, i am from like i said from uh, malappuram in kerala and uh, to be honest uh, i never thought i would end up being a sports journalist like you said like most of most young students in india i would have also actually gone through the engineering route and well yeah i would say that i was not a person who had a particular orientation in terms of you know what i need to be and probably up until you know 16 17 years age i wanted to become a cricketer and i actually believed that i could you know to some extent fulfill that but right after my schooling i had a you know, sort of setback a physical setback where i had to be home for a one year right after my 12th exams that's when i actually you know sort of rediscovered my love for writing i was used to love that in my when i was younger and yeah that's when a path to become a journalist even then i didn't have this particular direction of becoming a sports journalist even though my you know, aspirations of become a cricketer had died down by then that's when i i initially wanted to i mean was hoping to go to bangalore to study journalism uh, that well that didn't happen and yeah i ended up uh, studying at madras christian college in chennai and yeah towards the end of the course we had to do this thing called internship and to be honest that was the first time i was actually you know uh, i coming from a place in kerala like this uh, we never had an experience of an internship or something like that so when it was part of the course uh, i decided by then that yeah uh, i would like to do something in sport and that's when you know after a lot of searching i found this opportunity at sports start in chennai yeah i did two months stint as part of my final year project uh, that's when i actually got to know about what sports journalism was yeah it was a very fruitful uh, two months stint and yeah that, that's how eventually the doors to sports journalism opened for me and yeah i had a very fruitful three year stint with sports star in chennai lovely lovely to know because sports star is just an old classic you know and for someone to be actually speaking to someone who works for them who's rubbed shoulders with cricketers you know for us in india cricket is mostly played on tv for the vast majority of us because not all of us can go to the stadium so for us a lot of it is far away even though the tv has brought the players close to us you know in two ways so it's very fascinating to know somebody who actually kind of took the plunge and went into sports journalism did a course and then actually started considering this seriously so that's an enigma because for example i come from the city of hyderabad i think every second person in the city is an engineer and i think every third person in the city is in the united states so it's pretty much a very different career path so 
nice to hear that you joined the Sportstar, the best place to, I guess, get an internship when you, you know, want to go up the ranks. And it was local as well, close to your hometown because Chennai and Kerala are pretty, pretty close to each other. So lovely, uh, lovely uh, information, Lalit. So just generally, when you joined this, did you think you had it, had what it took to be a sports journalist? I mean, you know, I come from a direct background where questions are asked about what do you know? Uh, what is your skill set? Very definite questions. Now, when you come to journalism, there's a lot of soft skills you may need to have. So, w- what is it that makes a journalist? And were you always confident because of your writing ability, you could translate this going forward, uh, you know, as a reporter? No, to be honest. I, I think I got that confidence at the end of that uh, particular uh, two-month stint that I had. That internship, that's com- that was completely a uh, revolutionary moment for me. And that is when actually whatever I studied in college, what I thought I wouldn't be using it further somewhere, all of that actually helped me, you know, perform decently at, during that internship. And yeah, that is when I understood that whatever knowledge that I've had about you know, a particular sport like cricket, which I follow, and the basic skill set that I have in terms of writing and fact-checking and all, all those stuff actually helps you know, to build a foundation in this field. And all the appreciation that I've had for my work at the end of my stint, I, I think that is where I derived my confidence uh, or you know, the fact that I can do something in this field. I gained that confidence at the end of that particular stint. And yeah, since then, I think every day as part of my job, I've actually learned through my job. And it's been a constant process over the last three years. And yeah, I've built that confidence along the way. Hope to build my career as well. So yeah, I I think the confidence part initially came from that particular internship. Okay, nice. A very fruitful internship. Was it like a place that had a lot of an environment of mentorship where somebody, you know, maybe new going in like you, uh, did you find it easy to navigate through? Because I don't, these questions are coming from an audience who is not very, I don't think they know what a sports journalist does. I think they just read their output. But uh, from what I've read about journalism and it's a struggle, you know, it's a struggle because I use the word staying relevant, you know. Did you have a proper guide or somebody you could go and ask questions to? I'm not taking names here, but was it was there something like that for you to help you through these uh, two months? Yeah, uh, personally, it was a very young team and that actually makes it a lot easier to communicate. You know, there's no, this, uh, there's no sort of seniority thing that comes in between. Actually, the, you know, the communication was... Are pretty easy with all of them and all of them have given some insights one way or the other and it is a digital as we know it's a digital newsroom now you know most of them work for the online for the website and uh, so there are a lot of things that you know keep happening every day so you get a sense of everything like you watch them uh, what does it each one of them are doing and yeah I think it's not very hard to get a hang of what each one of them does on a, on a daily basis. But again, like you said, in staying relevant and 
and it is definitely a struggle in the initial days uh, but yeah you, you it's easy to get the you know get the ropes of it but maintaining it and you know trying to build on it is definitely i mean it's a, it's a it's a challenge but uh, yeah and an enjoyable one you mentioned you mentioned uh, you know a day of going to the sports star and watching all these people do their work i guess that's pretty common for anyone who mostly joins in an internship in fact an internship is the most fun thing because you are working but you're still in college so you can do both things so it's a fun it's a fun part where you kind of understand how the big bad world is going to look and stuff so describe for example describe to us a typical day now i'm just in terms of i don't want like a process sheet or something but something like you know do you go in and are you just at random assigned to stuff like for example do they say go and take this person's interview or you know you go do this match today is it all like does it happen like without any warning or is there like a structure to everything in general in sports journalism well yeah there is a uh, there's definitely a structure uh, in terms of in terms of the events that are happening mm-hmm. like obviously there are, there is a priority list that each organization will have a particular priority list and you know work is assigned uh, accordingly and but apart from that as well there is a general desk that keeps running you know every sporting event that happens mm-hmm. there should be a tab of that as well on on a daily basis so yeah if you ask me about a typical day like where i'm not probably covering a game or something uh, that's what most of us do we follow the global scene sporting scene uh, update on uh, all the news and information that comes through and we we'll again factor it based on the audience and yeah that's what we mostly do on a normal day and yeah uh, obviously keep a tab on whatever breaking news scenarios that happen if there's a particular something major happening in a game that's going on we try to cover it since it's a digital platform we try to cover it in multiple ways like putting up a couple of stories based on that mm-hmm. maybe a feature mm-hmm. possible sense of it uh, comes with you know knowing your audience and it will differ differ from each organization so for sports star again it's a multi sport website so there are plenty of ways to look into different ways to focus on so on a daily basis yeah that's the job apart from you know going out for uh, assignments covering games keeping a tab on the sporting world and you know trying to package and send it out to the audience in the best way possible that would be the description of a normal day you guys are a lucky lot because uh, for us uh, going on a field trip was going to a factory and uh, reading some boring data on some pipe clamp or something like that whereas you guys get to go and get to you know sit down and watch domestic games and all am i field trips are always a lot of fun in fact a lot of old reporters or the old school i've met they didn't have too many facilities they used to sit in below a shamiana on a chair and write the report on in hand you know things have changed they made life easier for you but one thing is consistent in fact it's gone in the opposite direction there are hardly any people at these domestic games absolutely i mean 
who are who are these players playing for uh, why don't they actually ask school children to take an excursion to these places and fill them up give the school children some food and drink and you know push the sport <laughs> because these ranji guys i feel bad for them you know not many of them are going to get a chance unfortunately it's like bowling on pitches where it's just a lot of hard work the domestic scene so what's your take on this domestic scene in india and how does it still manage to provide players to the top when nobody ever goes for the domestic games well uh, working as a journalist uh, i have not there have only been a few exceptions of players making it to the top having you know slogged in the domestic formats like uh, the peet ranji vijay azari or sayed mustaq ali most of them have actually I mean, gone into different formats even test cricket format through the ipl i mean which is a completely different uh, you know tournament in india i, I think the we just spoke about ranji and all the, the situations are pretty uh, bad or worse than what it was before i mean i, I think you might have noticed what happened recently during a bihar uh, mumbai mm-hmm. game in patna yes 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 yeah i i think it's i mean it eventually comes down to what the you know bcci wants or what are they ready to offer over the last couple of years since the pandemic uh, most of these games have been played behind closed doors like there were plenty of matches in bangalore you know domestic games that were conducted in bangalore where the crowd was not allowed to join uh, uh, come in for them the effort should come from the board i mean we all can keep talking and cribbing about it uh, but yeah you know making it at least accessible to watch i i think it should be i mean i, I don't think it's hard but yeah the authorities you know need to think about it at a primary level it's it's definitely not hard and it's definitely not something they can't do unfortunately it's not something that provides monetary gain and considering Indian cricket's cash cow is its national team and the IPL. These are the two cash cows. Now, as long as these are in good health, I don't think anyone sees the necessity to look at the layers below. Saying anyway, those two are doing well. Uh, you know, anyways, uh, we are getting uh, monetary benefit through there. So it's more of a non-financial thing they need to do, just to like. you know give the game some interest and make children get out onto fields again because a lot of children are just going for coding are just going for like computers it's just it's just become so indoor so i don't know how this is going to come out uh, i see that you know because of our olympic successes a lot of children are now trying out sports like shooting and you know wrestling and other kinds of stuff but cricket i think has it's gotten itself indian cricket has gotten itself into some kind of comfort zone where they feel that they don't have to uh, disturb anything so i don't know when that uh, will change going ahead but like you said the bcci has to make a decision on this so that's there excellent lalit um, one last question regarding the technicalities of sports journalism i won't bother you this is not an it interview Uh, don't worry uh, i will just ask you one more question 
how do you approach a player for an interview like you know is it challenging to slot them in for an interview are they responsive and more importantly what's the kind of relationship the current media generation shares with players because back in the day journalists were a good friend of players they were very close to them and one player would really talk to one journalist if he was confident etc i'm sure all those hold even now but what is it right now has it changed or is it the same now i do not think so i mean personally uh, i mean i found it hard building a rapport with players and that's again to a certain level gotten to do with the bcci communication has been pretty tough i mean with the players has been restricted particularly players who played for india or has been playing over the last couple of years uh, it's not easy to access them i mean and that comes with the fact that they've been you know contracted by the board i mean i don't want to name the player but there was someone who i met at the tulip trophy last year and it's it was easy communicating to them at that uh, you know at that particular tournament basically because there are i mean there are bcci restrictions or the bcci coverage of such tournaments are not good enough just like we spoke about how you know spectators are not allowed for these tournaments so it becomes easier there to communicate with them and soon after that particular player you know was contracted by the board i mean was caught as a first maiden call up uh, in a particular format and it's i mean it's been uh, tough even though they would like to pro- probably speak with you it's not easy for the player as well because of you know whatever you know communication restrictions that are put on there so yeah talking about uh, building relationships with players now it's difficult obviously you can talk to you know domestic players players that only play domestic cricket it's they definitely would want the spotlight they would more spotlight and it's easier building relationships with them i mean as long as they are only <laughs> featuring in the domestic game for now so that's the sort of it's a bit of a difficult thing to maintain uh, now building i mean making relationship with players i i, I think uh, they look at uh, journalists at this point as probably a stepping stone to the next level and beyond that it's a different thing they, they i don't think any of the you know main indian players do need the coverage of a particular journalist or a particular organization today to stay relevant I think yeah, that's the way it is right now. I think demand is way more higher than supply, because back in the day, if you look at it, the source or the voice, there was just radio, there was a newspaper, and there was maybe one interview on TV. So you had to maybe you had to be close to journalists to get yourself out there to put your opinion out there. But now, I mean, a journalist is maybe. one of the many instruments you can use to put your voice out there you can use a journalist for print media for stuff that people read but from my experience in the digital world reading something has become increasingly difficult these days because as modern uh, digital world takes off uh, attention spans need quick you you need to absorb information really quickly so you know writing about players doesn't get the same uh, response as maybe putting out uh, let's say a shreyas ayer video where he's working out in the gym i mean that's that's the two ways of uh, 
he can tell you in an interview that I go to the gym and I work out really uh, a lot and this is what I do. Or he can put out a video on social media. So what's happened is there, there are lots of sources now. That's why I keep using the word relevant. You know, how do you guys manage to stay relevant? It's tough, you know, to obviously be that one voice that that player wants to talk to. So it takes a lot of effort. Does the BCCI let you know that they're available for an interview or do you just know through the grapevine that, yeah, uh, somebody tells you that, yeah, okay, okay, we can get them to do an interview now. How does it work? Like, how do you know? All of us know how communication with the BCCI is these days. So obviously you have to use other, you know, sources to get to know that the player is not available at this moment or he is available. So yeah, there's no particular official channel through which we get to know about a particular player's uh, availability. And yeah, we have to use the traditional age-old ways of speaking to them through sources. Times have definitely changed. I remember going to the Gymkhana ground in 94. I think Hyderabad was playing Goa or something. I don't remember. And Venkatapati Raju and all of them were just standing outside there. You could go and say hello to them. You could talk to them. Those were great. Those were great times. I remember when I started following cricket, uh, I was a big newspaper fanatic. I used to go through all the scores in the back page. I knew all the domestic players. I remember Kerala then, who used to struggle in the Ranji Trophy. Kerala, Goa and Andhra. Always bottom three of the table. But uh, I remember those KN, Ananta Padmanabhan, Sunil, Oasis, Ajay Kudua, uh, Narayan Kutti. That was good days, man, in uh, the 90s, watching Kerala come to the Gymkhana ground and stuff. So, it's a lot has changed. Uh, I guess we have to move with the times just like anyone else. But, you know, it's good to know that at least you still get to talk to the players. You know, <laughs> that's, that's a good thing to know. But uh, moving on from obvious journalism and, you know, work and all that. Leave that boring stuff, man. We know what, uh, you know, clocking in and clocking out means. But uh, what keeps you busy, man, apart from sport? do you? I know you play cricket and stuff. You said you were very interested in becoming a cricketer, but uh, unfortunately didn't materialize. So what do you, do you bowl? Do you bat? Are you a Sanju Samson or are you a Vishnu Vinod? Pretty, pretty good bat. So what do you do apart from uh, work and stuff? How do you keep yourself busy and entertained? I heard uh, the profile that you mentioned about me. That's basically me. Even if you take uh, the you know sport, my job out of it, I do relish driving. That's a very that's something that I really love doing. Doesn't matter where you, what the destination is or car or bike. Car, car. I think everyone from Kerala likes to drive because you guys have such a beautiful state. Yeah, and apart from that, yeah, I do love photography. Unfortunately, it's been limited just to the uh, domestic games that I cover now. Not been finding time, but from work, haven't found a, a lot of time over the last couple of years to you know, spend time exploring for photography. Uh, and yeah, driving, traveling, a couple of things that keeps me busy apart from my work. What's the longest drive you've done? Longest drive from your work possibly be to, yeah, Oh, nice. That's a long uh, trip from Mallapuram via Mangalore, Udupi and all that, no? Nice, nice. I did that recently uh, from Hyderabad all the way to Goa and back. So, 
that's a nice uh, you know drive to have and stuff any anecdotes you'd like to share with us we want to know man did you go some did you, some player call you home to have biryani or did some player take you home on a bike any memorable uh, you know moments from your stint at the sports star or having you know met uh, so many players so anything that comes to mind a uh, couple of them actually happened at this particular uh, ranji game that i covered last year around this time january uh, 2023 saurashtra against andhra in, in rajkot that was the first time i was actually exactly been to gujarat uh, rajkot uh, and it was pretty chilly uh, found it tough to adjust to it uh, coming from chennai obviously and it was a game of particular interest because uh, pujara had returned to the saurashtra squad after quite a while and he if i'm not wrong he was just back from the bangladesh tour that india had in december 2022 where he sort of proved that things that he had not scored a 100 for over 3 years and obviously there was the you know challenge of the border gavaskar trophy coming up so it was i mean i was very keen to watch pujara coming out for saurashtra he didn't have a particular you know training focus training before the game batting session or something of that sort and he was cleaned up in the first innings not sure what his score was uh, he was uh, bowled early by this young pacer from andhra uh, nitish kumar ready mm-hmm. and it was a very impressive delivery i mean that's when i actually you know he started to wo- focus on this lad as well nitish kumar but what followed was like i was very keen to know what pujara would do i mean if there was over the next few days particularly because the australia series was coming up there was lot of talk about his technique his failing technique against uh, pace and you know spin as well and uh, the next day he was the first batter to come out from you know from the saurashtra dugout and he headed straight to the nets you know, this uh, wonderful facility at the rajkot stadium and it was very interesting to see that particular uh, net session I mean, it was I mean, you're watching a player who scored all these runs for india you know come come to this point uh, city for a team that he represented all these all those years ago I mean, from where he actually uh, you know built the profile to go I mean, get into the indian test team I mean, to absolutely watch him you know work on his game right after you know he cleaned up uh, by uh, amateur budding cricketer and it was very interesting and you know the results were there the next day when he came out and saved the game for saurashtra with a brilliant 90 odd run innings and during this game on the sidelines i also had the chance to bat against a uh, you know ranji level cricketer darmendra singh jadeja they were all very warm and you know uh, welcoming all of the saurashtra players and it was very interesting and i was just passing by uh, to the stands you know before the game started and i was very i couldn't resist myself from asking him he was on near the standing near the boundary lines before the game started and i just uh, asked him i mean it was just uh, impulsive I just asked him if i could you know he would bowl me a couple of balls and uh, turned out he bowled more than you know an over to me and yeah that was very something that i'd never forget and yeah i was also happy that he couldn't beat me I was able to beat most of them as well. So yeah, that's a couple of memories that I made uh, during a Ranji game. Lovely, lovely. These domestic memories are—they're really nice to go back in time and you know 
and just get the chance to actually stand there amongst these guys and you know there are not a lot of sportsmen in the world if you look at the number of people who take up sport it's very less so it's always nice to be there and unfortunately uh, as a hyderabadi i feel so bad for my domestic team because right now we are currently relegated and we are playing nagaland uh, but we really defeated them very easily but the sad thing is we are playing nagaland uh, in the second level and it's also nice to know that teams like kerala and pondicherry and stuff are able to get a result pondicherry i think defeated delhi uh, and kerala what a change from they where they used to be to what they are i remember they had a really good uh, pace attack km asif shrisant uh and two others i i don't remember exactly they went one went to tamil nadu and one left and stuff plus the batting coming out of the state uh, is pretty good what has transformed in kerala you are all chelsea and manchester united and barcelona fans where did cricket just enter the how did it get so popular was the ipl something to do with this this is a question that i've asked a couple of kerala players i mean who have met over the last couple of years and all of them actually mentioned one name that was tanju samson yeah okay i mean his journey from you know uh, from from trivandrum to the ipl at, at a fairly young age he was uh, what 17 18 years old that actually completely you know transformed you know the scenario in kerala i mean people started young batters started believing that they can you know get into this uh, you know level and yeah the facilities have improved uh, at a different i mean in all 14 districts it is still improving and uh, the other day uh, i traveled to watch the sanji game that was happening in alapura the first time it was hosting a game there at the st college in alapura and it was a very uh, well you know constructed uh, facility with the help of the kca so i think yeah sanju's uh, rise has been a very integral part in kerala churning out new batters we've seen vishnu vinod we've seen the right we've seen rohan kunnamal coming up but yeah there is a lack of pacers and fast bowling is still progressing and i think uh, kerala can do better uh, given the talent that they have now but there have been inconsistencies in terms of selections in terms of the coaching setup and all that over the last couple of years i think they've been consistent in making the quarters of you know limited uh, white ball tournaments but has not been able to go beyond that but i think you know, in terms of you know being consistent in terms of the management and you know the talent that they have i think if they are able to do that kerala would be you know would be able to do better in all formats they do i mean the talent has been amazing to see over the last couple of years good to see very very good to see kerala doing well in a sport that was not very popular there i remember goa kerala and uh, calcutta loved football more than the rest of india and it was like that for a long time but you know what you guys should do i really you should speak to the kerala the cricket association chairman you should create green pitches like your state which is green and call everyone and route them for 75 in the first innings i i think that's uh, that's one particular thing that actually happened uh, they had this particular green pitch in uh, the, the Wayanad stadium 
and uh, it was in the semi-final in the 2018-19 Ranji Trophy where Kerala actually managed to reach yeah the semi-final for the first time and they ended up being you know bowled over by Umesh Yadav who was actually for Vidarbha he was playing for Vidarbha who actually you know ran through the entire batting order and since then they've actually Kerala has shifted base to Trivandrum and uh, where it's more spin friendly pitches and you know, sort of resorted on their spin attack now, more to win games at home. Oh, so back to the original tactics, huh? That I see the, I guess the first uh, test that England is going to play, uh, I think for the first time it's in both the Telugu states. It's in Hyderabad and then it's in Visakhapatnam after that. So I hope they prepare a pitch uh, which uh, is like a Bangalore road in rainy season which just finishes like in two days or one and a half days or something. But uh, it's, uh, you know, good to see that uh, all this is happening, you know, in Kerala cricket in general and all this going forward. But it's good to see other teams doing well. Like who would have heard about Vidarbha or Saurashtra or something doing well? But they've really come a long way. And I think that is... The fact that the IPL has fueled facilities to become better because more people want to try out for the IPL, which is then, uh, I guess, going to give them a chance. I mean, just look at Rinku Singh. It's a story for the ages. I mean, where would you get that from traditional, you know, cities like Bombay and all where players used to come from a certain... It was very difficult to find players from the lower rung, but very nice to see that this sport has, you know, move to this uh, stage in India. Any uh, favourite uh, in cricket? Do you have a favourite player or a favourite era? Or a, I'll tell you an example. I started watching in 92. That's when I my first memory of cricket was. And then I was blown away in the 96 season when I saw Lance Klusner. I'm like, I, I want to model my game like him. I just want to bat at five and, you know, bowl fast uh, bouncer. So, any favorite player, team, era? When did you start watching cricket and stuff? Well, uh, I started watching, uh, I think it would be 2002, 2003. Mike's first heroes were actually Ricky Ponting and Brian Lara until, up until I first chanced upon Sachin. Obviously, I mean, it's uh, everyone's hero. Uh, yeah, then. Obviously, MS, I mean, Tony, Yuvraj, and Irfan Patan used to fascinate me a lot in my childhood. Uh, the last decade, it's been through a charma. I just absolutely love to watch him bat. Pure pleasure to watch him when he's on song. Oh, so you belong to the Rohit Sharma fan club, where uh, on Twitter, people have taken membership of different clubs. So, where you, you can become a Virat Kohli fan. <laughs> Versus Rohit Sharma. It's nice nice to know, man. Anyone from the older generation, only Brian Lara and... Uh, My favourite bowler is actually Glenn McGrath. Oh, God. Too many nightmares for us. Too many. Too many. That 99 tour of Australia, I don't know when that's going to leave our head because that was, that was one of the worst memories that I have as a cricket fan. So, good, good to know that, uh, you know, you... Uh, like uh, a lot of old players that we like as well. As we come to the end of the pod, we've been really dying to ask you this question. How is the World Cup? How is it to cover the World Cup? Did you go for any games and actually cover them? 
because I saw a few articles of yours online, quite a few actually during the World Cup. So, what was it like? Were you like covering the games for the Sports Star? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, it's the pinnacle of the sport, and it's every reporter's dream as well. I mean, to be at you know the premier tournament of of the game, uh, and it was very uh, fascinating. I mean, I was fascinated by all the stage. Uh, yeah, I did uh, cover three games. South Africa-Pakistan game, it was absolutely nail-biting. Uh, went down to the last. It was a very thrilling game and a couple of India games. I was fortunate to have covered uh, the India-Bangladesh game in Pune. And it was quite a challenge to, you know, make the trip from Pune directly to Dharamshala to cover the India-New Zealand games. Yeah, it was a fantastic experience to see how a couple of I mean, the way they prepare as well, the players, the preparation and in terms of the stage as well, was very, very insightful for me. I don't think I was overwhelmed by the occasion or something like that, despite being my first experience in the World Cup. It just felt like, you know, you're supposed to be there and just enjoyed every bit of it. Excellent to know that you covered two India games and one other game. I guess the game everyone in hindsight wanted to cover was the Maxwell game. I mean, I don't know if you've, we, we're asking for the audience, if you've met Maxwell and you're in, you're in the sporting ecosystem, is he human or is he non-human or what is he, man? Because I have never in my history of watching the game watched somebody just whiplash the ball across the stumps without moving his feet I mean, that was an incredible game of cricket. Just meant to be, isn't it? Uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there are no words to describe that sort of an innings. And one, I mean, I do wonder what would have happened to Australia if they would actually you know, gone on to lose that game. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I think that team is also feeding off the energy of the invincible energy of their captain, Pat Cummins, who can probably absolutely do no wrong at the moment. He's done uh, I had just uh, spoken about it the other day. He's close to actually completing cricket. He's won it all, led the team brilliantly. And I think, yeah, that particular energy from captain like that also feeds off on all of these amazing athletes. I think the pain of that final can only be erased if we go to Australia and beat them 5-0 in the Test Series. But I doubt 5-0 is going to happen. But uh, let's let's hope to see, uh, you know, India do well down under and hopefully take that pain away because it was pretty painful to see uh, us struggle on the same pitch that the Australians batted on. But it was a little more painful to know that the Australians had actually outwitted us when it came to the tactics of choosing when to bat and bowl and stuff. So I was, it was like, Maybe India threw away an opportunity, but such a sport, such as Australia, they've always been a team that actually does it when it's required. So, uh, good good luck to them in the future. I think uh, the West Indies are going next. After Pakistan was the warm-up thrashing, and I think the West Indies will be the complete unit where they will <laughs> blitz them 3-0. Excellent. Nice to know. Our last question for uh, today, Lalit. What next then? Still want to continue in journalism and uh, 
want to forge a path uh, for yourself going ahead or have you looked at other interesting things like maybe podcasting or hosting a show or anything related to sport so what next in uh, this intern's life because for us uh, coming out of an internship the first thing is where are we going to get our first engineering job so <laughs> what what next for you going forward definitely uh, i would lo- love to you know continue in the field uh, reporting is something that i actually enjoy doing you know, the chances that i've got so the aim is to you know, develop get better at the job get better at reporting and continue in the field uh, one step at a time that's the focus right now and hopefully we'll be soon back in action you know at a new place in a new world Excellent congratulations uh, congratulations on your wedding by the way big congratulations and also best of luck to you for the rest of your career we will obviously stay in touch because i stay in touch with people who are usually cricket tragics so i do stay in touch so if ever you're in hyderabad and you need a sporting someone to talk to uh, please uh, you know uh, get in touch with us but lovely lovely speaking with you we will definitely do this again because knowing uh, how you cover ranji uh, games i want to maybe do a mid season ranji review but uh, that will be down the line and uh, we'll stay in touch okay sure sure kriti awesome awesome so that's that for the third episode from one bat two balls thank you for joining to listen to us talk with lalit about his journey and we look forward to your company in pod 4 adios